We want to thank you for joining us for our series on the Holy Spirit, Enabling Power. We pray that you will allow God to speak to you in a new way. So sit back and be blessed. Today, put your hand on your heart right now. We're going to pray in the name of Jesus, God. We pray, God, right now, touch our hearts. God, may our hearts be alive to you. May our hearts be open to you. God, may our hearts today override our minds. Every question, every frustration, every doubt. But God, may our heart, our faith, our relationship with you rule supreme in our lives. God, speak to our hearts because from our heart will come the change to our lives. We thank you. We praise you. We love you in the house. And everyone said, come on, shout amen in the house. Come on, you can do it better than that. Amen. 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 Throughout this month, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. I love talking about the Holy Spirit. I love the Holy Spirit. And we're going to be talking about His enabling power. The power that He wants to put upon your life to enable you. I don't want to jump ahead too much, but to enable you to be everything that God has called you to be. We're going to talk this month about what's available to you through the Holy Spirit. What's available to our lives. And I know we'd advertised that on Wednesday nights we're going to do financial workshops. It's been pushed back to next month or whenever we get to that because we just really looked at this and thought, there is too much here just to condense the Holy Spirit to a couple of Sundays. We want to do some Q&A times. We just want to do some teaching. We just want to just expand on this and just show people the truth of God's Word. So on Wednesday nights also... We're going to be teaching on this and ministering on this. So please make a commitment to be here. But you know what I've discovered and realized is this. The Holy Spirit is not a popular topic or a popular subject today to be taught. Because there are many varied opinions and there's a lot of opposition to it. And even in some cases people have been offended or they are offended by it. But I want to tell you right now, from the beginning of this series, I believe the Holy Spirit is a power source that we as God's children must have in our lives in order to live victoriously. That would have been a good place to have an amen right there. I believe the Holy Spirit is a power source that everyone who says, I'm saved, I live for Jesus, needs in their life in order to be able to live victoriously in their life. People have told me even this. Can you believe that ministers have told me, Pastor Philip, if you want to grow a big church, stay away from that. It's too controversial. It's going to divide your church. People are not going to want to hear this. And, and it's not going to be. I want to go on the record as I was at nine o'clock today. I want to go on the record. And I want you to be able to hear what we're saying right now. Are you listening? I'm not interested in growing a big church. But what I am interested in, that he would build his church. Now, don't get me wrong. Oh, great. So we're going to be the small church. No, we're a growing church. But I can't build that church, but God can. 
God can build it. And how do we build that church? On the principles and on the truth of God's Word. If we start separating things and say, well, we better not have that because it's maybe a little bit controversial. It's maybe a little bit offensive. So let's take that. You know, there's not much left in the Bible we can preach because the gospel is an offensive message. It's offensive that you've got to give everything in order to get everything. People don't like that. Look at the symbol of the cross or of the gospel, a bloody cross. It's not something nice. It's not something presentable. But yet it's something life-changing. Life-changing. So it's not about us building his church. We're preaching the truth of God's word because he said, I'll build my church. And I don't want to stay here for long, but I really believe there's something in this passage, in that thought that I really want you to see. One day Jesus is talking to all his disciples and he's just hanging out with them and he asks them this question. He says, who do men say that I am? What's the word on the street? What are they posting on Facebook? What's the latest Instagram posts about me? I mean, what are people, what is the talk? What is the gossip? What are people all around saying about me? It's amazing that everyone pretty much in that group of disciples had an answer. They all had something. Well, some say you're this. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're a great prophet. They all had an answer of what everyone else had said. But look what Jesus does. Jesus then says in Matthew 16, verse 5, but who do you say that I am? You can leave that scripture up. But who do you say that I am? Notice all of a sudden it's gone from what everyone else is saying. And God says, what about you? What about you? What about your life? What about in your experience? And only one this time answers. Everyone else had an answer for what everyone else thought, but only one had an answer, and that was Simon Peter, verse 16. He said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Then Jesus, verse 17 and 18, he answered and said to him, he answered and said to Peter, not everyone else who had an interpretation from someone else, But the one who had had a divine revelation, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, or son of John, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. In other words, Jesus said, you've had a divine revelation. God himself has told you who I am. It's not what other people have said. You know direct from the source exactly who I am. Read on verse 18. And I also say this, that you are Peter, Petros, which means rock or stone. He says, and you are Peter. And then it goes and say, and on this rock... I will build my church and the gates of Hades or hell shall not prevail against it. Now, I haven't got time to preach this. I would love to preach this today, but I've got to touch it and move on. But notice this. Jesus says to him, you're a little rock. You're a little stone. You're Peter, Petros. But upon this rock, upon this boulder, upon this foundation, I will build my church. What he was saying there was the church is not built on man. Church is not built on man. 
This church isn't here just because of me. God uses us, but we don't build the church. What Jesus was telling him, what we need to hear today is Jesus says, oh, I'll use you, but here's where I build my church. I build my church on divine revelation. I build my church on what you know of me, what you have experienced in your life. Can you see this? We need a true revelation of who God is. We need to know who God is. We don't know to need to know of Him. We need to know in Him. Come on, we need to have a personal relationship with God from His Word that's not based on man's opinions. Man, there's a lot of opinions out there about God. Have you noticed? There's a lot of things out there. They could say whatever they want because I've had a divine revelation of who God is. They can say the whole Bible's false. They can say it's fake. But I want to tell you right now, they can't take my testimony away from me because I know who God is for me. You see, we've got to have a divine revelation. That's why we're preaching on the Holy Spirit. We need a divine revelation of who He is and what He is. We've based our opinions on what other people have said, but I would believe that it's time for us to open up our hearts and say, God, you tell me who you are. You tell me what the Holy Spirit is. You see, if you want to be filled and receive the Holy Spirit in your life, you don't need to read how-to books. A lot of people, well, I want the Holy Spirit. Can I get some books on that? You've got the best book right here, the Word of God. And I'm not saying there aren't good books out there. I, I, I ordered a number of books when I was studying for this series. But one thing I've discovered is this. There's a whole lot of different interpretation out there. It's a whole lot of people who are saying a whole lot of different things. And you don't receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit by reading a book on how to. You receive it by understanding it's a gift of God. It's made fully possible to me. And come on, I I don't want to be confused with other people's opinions. I don't want to be frustrated. I don't want to be condemned. Because books would tell you, well, you're not doing it right. If you haven't been received, you're not doing it. Come on, it's a gift. How do you receive a gift? You just put your hand out and say, thank you very much. Come on, God wants to give you the gift of His Holy Spirit. And we need a revelation divinely of what that is. Not what other people have said, but God can give that to you personally. And that's what we're praying for. As a pastor, your pastor here at this church... We get to see beneath a lot of the masks and the smiles that you see around you. There's a lot of hurting people sitting around you today. They come in with a, a brave face and a smile. And How's your week been? Oh, great. But it's been greatly disappointing. It's been greatly hard. It's been tough. There's circumstances. There's far too many Christians who are still broken, desperate, addicted, lonely, confused, hurt, carrying guilt living in regret, those who even feel unworthy. And that's just to mention a few things. But most, if not all, that I've experienced and come in contact with want breakthroughs. They want the miracles for their life. They want to be free. They realize they're bound. They want freedom. They realize they're oppressed. They want deliverance. They realize that the pain is not what God has for them. And they want that healing in their lives. But yet still too many remain unmoved and completely unchanged. Throughout these next few weeks, we're going to present the truth of God's Word in reference to the Holy Spirit. And I'm asking every one of you to open up your hearts in order to receive. 
Why? Because look at this statement. I want you to hear this statement really, really good. That's why I've put it up on the screen as well as I'm going to say it to you today. I believe that there is no way. Notice no capitalized because that's the emphasis right there. I believe there is no way to live in total victory without receiving and understanding the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I believe that there is no way as a child of God, we can live in the complete victory that God has for our lives if we don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's His purpose. The purpose of the Holy Spirit has come to be an abiding presence, a power to help us do things with ease that otherwise would have been impossible. I can't do that. The Holy Spirit is the power source of heaven that wants to give us the ability to do the things that we haven't been able to do. Joyce Myers in her book, Filled with the Spirit, says it this way, much of the dissatisfaction that many believers experience in their Christian walk comes from the lack of power in their lives. Power which only comes through the infilling of the Holy Spirit. I wonder if that's your testimony today. The dissatisfaction, the problems, the anguish in your life. Because you're lacking the power. You're lacking the power of the Holy Spirit. So today we're going to be talking about the who of the Spirit of God. But look at this scripture, if you would, in Acts, 6, uh, Acts 19, verse 1 and 2. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Do you see this? He discovers those. And he asks a question, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? At your conversion experience, did you receive the Holy Spirit, to which they said, we don't even know, even if there is a Holy Spirit, what are you talking about? We're not sure, we don't know. You see, Paul at this time is traveling, planting churches wherever he's going. He's arrived in Ephesus and he runs into some disciples, some new converts, some followers, some believers, and notice the first question that he asks them. He doesn't say to them, well, um, how did you get saved? What happened? Tell me about your experience. Who told you? He doesn't ask questions like that. He doesn't even say to them, "Um, how big is your church? Who's the pastor of your church? He doesn't even say to them, what denomination? I mean, who are you affiliated? Who are you connected? Who are you a part of? But yet he asks them what I believe is a very important question. He could have asked all those kind of things. But I think the first thing that he asks shows the importance of what he is asking. He asked what I believe is a principle of truth that they needed to know and have in their life. Thus showing, listen to me, a separate experience from salvation. They're saved. They're believers. He's not saying to them, you're not saved. He doesn't say that. He said, because of your salvation, of the experience that you've had, have you received the baptism? Showing, therefore, a separate experience as in our salvation experience, a separate infilling, 
And what is their answer? Their answer is no, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Our purpose this month is to make sure that not one person in this place would say, I don't know what you're talking about. Our purpose is that not one person in here would say, well, I don't understand the Holy Spirit because I have never been taught. And we need to know because guess what? There are so much, there's so much misinformation out there. So many people are so uninformed today. Some people have been taught inaccurately. Some people have been taught non-biblical things about the Holy Spirit. Some people have been told it's not even for today. Some people have even been said it's a tool used of Satan. Thus making it, unfortunately, something so opposed and so confusing that most people don't want to even go there. If something I've discovered in my life, if something is so opposed... It's because Satan is trying to rob us from seeing the truth there. If the buzzards are circling in the air, guess what that means? Fresh meat is nearby. There's buzzards that are circling all around this as Satan is trying. The same could be said with giving and paying your tithes. That is such a controversial thing. Why? Because Satan knows the power and the blessing that can be released into our lives when we give to God, just in the same as when we receive the infilling of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's a power that can come into our lives. So what do we do? Because we don't understand it, because we've been taught wrong, because it's controversial, we We stay away from it, thus robbing us of the enabling power that is available to bring our life into the victory that God has for us. Our theme verse for this month is Acts 1 verse 8. It says, but you shall. I love how the word of God is personal. But you shall. Your life. He's not talking about a certain church, a certain group of people. He's making it for whoever. But you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit has what? Come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me. I love how the New Living Translation says, it says this, that you're going to tell everyone everywhere. Wherever you go, you're going to be telling everyone about God. You're going to be witnesses for me wherever you go, in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Notice this, the Holy Spirit is a power that wants to infill our lives, and I believe it's a power for today, right now, an enabling power for your life, that God wants to equip us for godly living. God wants to equip us to live victoriously. It's a power that will help Help us to be a witness. It's a power that will help us to live. And you know, the greatest way we can be a witness to others is by the life that we live. If we're living defeated and we're living down, people are going to look and say, man, God don't take care of his own. It's time to live like we should. It's time to be like we should. And we cannot do that without the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Our words should be our second witness. Our first should be our lives and then our words should back that up. Francis Assisi, I believe it was, it said this. He said, we're to share the gospel by any means possible and if needed, use words. Share the gospel by any means possible. And if needed, use words. Think about that. I truly believe God has an incredible plan for your life. But I also believe that part of that incredible plan 
is you receiving the life, the power, the freedom, the strength that the Holy Spirit can and will bring into your life. I know we're setting this up for a a, a little bit longer today because we're laying a foundation because it's very important. If we're going to receive, if you want today to receive all God has for you, then we're going to have to move beyond the natural into the supernatural. Now, when you start talking about moving behind the natural into the supernatural, all we're really saying is this, that we've got to let go and let God. Like with our giving again, when we give, that's in the natural, but the response that comes back becomes supernatural. Through our giving, we produce the supernatural. Come on, God wants to put some super on our natural is what we've said before. But we've got to move beyond the natural into the supernatural. It's not spooky, it's not weird, it's not bypassing my mind, but it's having faith. It's trusting God. That's what takes me from the natural to the supernatural is a life of faith. It simply means to be open to all God has for us, making the commitment to believe and live according to His Word instead of living guided by natural things. A lot of us are guided by natural things. If we wake up and the weather's not good, then our whole day's shot. If we wake up and our kids are, you know, they're, they're, just, they're just hard to get ready and they're awkward in the morning and, and we fall out with our husband or our wife before we, then our whole day's shot. Why? Because we're basing our life on the natural things. Turn on the news. It doesn't take long to get pretty depressed. Look around you. It doesn't take long to kind of think to yourself and you've got to catch yourself because you begin to say, oh my God, how are we going to make it? How are we going to live? What are we going to do? Because the natural presents itself, but we're moving beyond the natural, having a divine revelation of who he is and living now in the supernatural. And I'm ready for that type of living. Anyone ready for that type of living? Come on, let me see. Put your hand up. Wave at me. If you're not, then just let me know. I'll, I'll take yours too. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take whatever I can get. Why? Because if it's from God, I want it. And I don't just want it. I want everything of it. And it is from God. It's a gift from God. It's God's gift to his, to his church. Salvation is God's gift to the world. The Holy Spirit is God's gift to his church. Look what it says in James 1 verse 17. Every good and every perfect gift comes from God. Comes from above. Oh, but I don't like the Holy Spirit. It's going to do. Hey, every good and perfect gift comes from God, in whom there is what? There is no variation or there is no shadow of turning. That word good is both physical, practical, and moral sense, which produces benefits. So every good gift, everything God wants to give us, will change us practically and morally. In other words, it will change us inside and it will change us outside. It will do a completed work inside of us. God wants you to prosper and be blessed. God wants you to be happy. God wants you to be full. God wants you to be at peace. God wants you to have the blessings of His Word. Amen? God wants those for your life. And it's the same as the Holy Spirit, a gift that God wants to give. It's to better your life. It's to help your life to make you what God wants you to be. I've summed up the Holy Spirit in the simplest form, but yet 
it's still so powerful. And it's this. Are you ready? The Holy Spirit is the power to live and the power to serve. Come on. The Holy Spirit is your power to live and it's your power to serve. It's your power to witness and to live, to be the parent, to be the husband, to be the employer, being the employee, just to live, period. Okay, so let's look at the who. The who. So who is he? Who is the Holy Spirit? I'm going to give you three points that I believe will really help us to describe who the Holy Spirit is. And notice I didn't say who is it or what is it. But I said what? Who is he? Why? Because the first point is this. Are you ready? The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is is a person. He is the third person of the Trinity, the triune Godhead that we're going to talk about in a few moments. But being a person, he also functions as a person. Again, not with our limitations. Hold on to that thought. He's not functioning in the limitations that we have as a person. But in our bodies, in a natural man, we are made up with three qualities or characteristics that we possess. And they have been labeled as body, soul, and spirit. Body, soul, and spirit. Okay? Body, soul, and spirit that could also be said mind, emotions, and will. What does that mean? As human beings, we have a mind, so that means we can think. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to do more thinking. Do more thinking. Because hopefully we do think, but we have got the ability to think. We've got the ability to reason because we have a mind. But what else do we have? We have emotions that means we have the ability to feel. Well, they hurt my feelings this week. They said something that hurt my feelings. I'm not happy with them. I'm not. Why? Because my feelings have been hurt. As a human being, we have the ability to what? Think and we have the ability to feel. But then we also have a will which gives us the ability to choose, to make a choice. That we can choose. The only created being that God created and made was man that was given the ability to choose. God gave man the ability to choose. So what do we see of the Holy Spirit? Look at it. In the same way that we have a mind, emotions and wills, so does the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 verse 27 says this, Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Notice, the mind of the Spirit. He knows what the mind of the Spirit is. The Holy Spirit has a mind. He thinks. He thinks. But again, not in the limitation, because I don't want to give away point number two, but you're going to understand in point number two, but not in the limitation of the way that we think, okay? So don't put him down to our level, but we're seeing the person of the Holy Spirit, okay? What else do we see in Ephesians 4, verse 30? It says, and do not what? Grieve the Holy Spirit of God. I can grieve the Holy Spirit. I can offend the Holy Spirit. I can hurt his feelings. That means he feels. He feels. He feels. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 11 says, But one and the same Spirit works all things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Notice the choice that he gives to each one as he 
chooses as he sees fit to give. So what have we seen? He thinks, he feels, and he chooses. He has a choice. He's a person. But here's the best part about it. Are you ready? Point number two. He is God. He is a person, but yet he is God. That's why we talked about he doesn't have the limitations like we do because we are human created. We have limitations. God has no limitations. So therefore, the person of the Holy Spirit has no limitations. He can do anything. He can do all things. He's not a part of God. He is fully God. We believe that there is one God eternally existent in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Each one of them are co-equal. We asked the question before, didn't we? Is God greater than Jesus? No, He's not. But yet God is the headship of the triune Godhead. Why? Because His function is as a leader, not His position. He functions in that realm. So what do we see in God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? We see that they have roles and purposes and functions, but together they operate as one in complete unity. Now I know this is a lot, but we believe that. We believe God is eternally existent in three people. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is a person but He is also the person of God. He is God. He is God. Now let's sum it all up. Here we go. Point number three. I love this. Are you ready? Let's bring those two points together. The Holy Spirit is the person of God for in the now or in the now. God, His Holy Spirit is the person of God right now for your life. Right now, the person of the Holy Spirit of God wants to be in your life right now. And we can see this in Acts chapter 2, and we're going to discuss this in greater depth as we go through the series. But look what it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 and 4, as the day of Pentecost came. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And then suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. There appeared to them divided tongues of fire as of fire. One sat upon each one of them and they were all, help me out, they were all filled. They were all filled, all filled with what? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, the person of God for their lives. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and as a result of the infilling, they began to speak. There was an evidence that came forth from the infilling and they began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them the utterance. Speaking in tongues is not something weird. We're going to discover it a little bit later in this series. But if you would read on in chapter 2, the The Bible says that they spoke the language of everyone around. You see, the Holy Spirit doesn't want to make you weird. The Holy Spirit doesn't make you abnormal. That people look and say, man, they're freaky. Don't want to be around them. But the Holy Spirit through your life can make you speak the language of the people around you. It can make your right life relevant that you can show forth the goodness of God. Because they said, man, we hear people proclaiming God in our own languages. 
So God poured His Spirit upon them all. Those who were gathered, those who were seeking, those who were waiting. And what does He do? He comes and lives within them. He fills them. The word used is baptized them, which means to be so totally submerged in the Holy Spirit. If we were to take a cup and we had a big bucket of water and we were to put that cup in there, you know what would happen to that cup? It would fill if it was under the water and it would be filled to the top. Why? Because it's baptized. It's emerged, submerged inside of that and what's around it will begin to come inside of it. God, the presence, doesn't want to be around you. He wants to be inside of you. He wants to fill you. His desire and purpose for you, for I, is to become completely engulfed and filled with all the power and the presence of God. Why? Because He is God. His presence wants to fill your life, which means what? You don't have to go, man, I wish someone in here would help me preach today. You don't have to go through life trying to do everything on your own anymore. But the presence of God, the person of God, can live inside of you which means he'll be that strength to help you through. I love how John records the baptism of Jesus. It's not like Matthew, how it paints a picture that one day John's baptizing the people and Jesus comes, which is all great. But I love how John recalls that experience. It's almost like he's reflecting back and he's telling someone else. It's like he's sitting around a fire later that day or later that week. And he says, let me tell you what happened to me. Let me tell you what took place in my life. Look what he says, John 1. Verse 32 and 33 says this, And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove. Dove is one of the symbols of the Holy Spirit. Other ones are wind, fire, and water. We're going to be talking about that. But he says, I saw the Holy Spirit descending upon him, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me, speaking of God, who had sent me to baptize with water, said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, that is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. You see, the Bible says John's baptism was into repentance. It was a water baptism, but John went on record saying, Hey, I I, I don't... There's one coming after me who doesn't just baptize you with water of repentance. Come on, that's one experience that we need to have in our lives. Come on, to be saved and to have a walk with God. But he says, hey, he goes one step further. He wants to baptize you with fire. He wants a fire to consume you. One thing I've noticed about fire is this. Fire burns up trash. Fire burns up stuff. Very few things that can stand up to the heat and to the magnitude of fire. And that's what he wants to do. His Holy Spirit wants to be a fire inside of you that will burn up all the trash and all the junk. It will set you free from addictions and strongholds. It will make you talk to your wife in the right way. It will make you teach your kids the right way. It will make you be the best person you could possibly be. Because the fire of God. And he's saying here, man... Uh, One day it's going to happen, but he said, let me tell you something, it began today. Because notice what John says in these two verses. There's many truths that he says, but there's two key things. He says in verse 32, and it came and remained upon him. And then in verse 33 it says, and it remained on him. 
And this is important to realize because before Pentecost, the Holy Spirit would come, but He would come and leave. He would come upon people for a specific task. Do you think that Samson one day just woke up and grabbed a donkey's jawbone and said, I can go out and kill a thousand soldiers with a donkey's jawbone and they've got weapons and they've got swords and they've got spears and armor? That doesn't happen in the natural The Holy Spirit came upon him and through the power of the Holy Spirit, he was able to do that. Daniel that we studied in January about be the change and how he was the change. He he didn't just eat extra cheese before he went to bed so he could start dreaming. Come on. He didn't just pile his mouth with cheese so he could dream some that night. The dreams he had weren't from cheese. They were from the big cheese. Come on. They were from God. They came from God. They were divine revelation that was put into his spirit. Why? The Holy Spirit came upon him. And moved upon him. The Holy Spirit came upon Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. That said, let it be known, we will not bow. The Holy Spirit came upon David as he threw a stone. And it was a laser guided missile that went right into the attack. The Spirit of God would come upon the prophets as they would prophesy. It would come upon men and women. And it would equip them to do a specific task. And fulfill a specific circumstance or situation. But not so now with Jesus. John said, I saw the Spirit come down and He didn't leave. I saw the Spirit of God come down and He remained upon Him. And this is the one that I was instructed that when this happens, come on, it's going to be the beginning. Come on, it's going to be the beginning of great things. Come on, Jesus, the Holy Spirit in your life. Come on, He has come to remain constantly with you. He's come to be your helper. He's come to be your companion. It's not just a one-time experience. Oh, I can feel God in church. You can feel God at the mall. And ladies, you better be glad because you're there an awful lot. You can feel God at your work. You can feel God in your car. You can feel God everywhere. Why? Because His presence now, He is the person of God for the now. To fill you, to remain inside of you. Come on, He's a daily experience that wants to equip you with an enabling power. I like what Benny Hinn says in his book, Good Morning Holy Spirit. He says, I wake up every day and say, Good morning Holy Spirit. I welcome and thank the Holy Spirit for being there with me every step and every moment. Come on, he takes up permanent residence inside of each one of us. I read it this way. I thought it was pretty neat. Why he, it wasn't the case in the Old Testament, but now it is because of Christ. Listen to this. I thought this was incredible. It was impossible for the holiness and purity of God to dwell inside a person who was not born again and set free from his or her sin nature. Pretty impressive right there. That the reason why His Holy Spirit couldn't dwell because the cross hadn't taken place yet. Jesus hadn't died. Jesus hadn't made it possible for them to repent of their sins and come. But come on, after Jesus died on the cross and after Jesus rose from the dead with complete victory over sin, He's now made it fully possible for the Holy Spirit, Him, God, the person of God, to come and dwell within men. That means you. That means me. It's fully possible now. Did you know that Jesus actually told His disciples that it's better for you It's your advantage if I go away, because when I go, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. They didn't want Jesus to leave. 
They, they got so, you know, their life, they loved being around them and seeing. They didn't want you. Oh, please don't go. Don't go. Don't go. Look what it says in John 16, verse 7. Jesus says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. I'm glad Jesus tells us the truth. Come on, there's a lot of false stuff out there, but this is the truth. Come on, there's a lot of people's opinion. What do others say? But come on, how many knows that God can tell you exactly who he is? God can show you the truth. Man, I wish I'd have an amen in the house today. Come on, he can tell you the truth. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. The helper. I like that. Come on, say with me, helper. Say with me, my helper. Because he wants to personally be your helper. He's a personal God. In loving the whole world, he loves you. Did you catch that? In loving the whole world, he loves you. You're just as important to him as everyone else. In the whole world. He's the helper. Look what it says in the Greek of the word helper. The word helper means parakletos. Para, the first part, means beside. Kaleo means to call. So therefore, notice what the parakletos, what the helper is. He is the one who is beside us, called by God to be right there. Come on, he is the one that God sent to be with us. When I walk into my work tomorrow, he's my parakletos. Come on, he's right there with me. When when I go home today, he's the parakletos. He's right there. When I go into school, wherever I go, he is there. This world signifies, or this word literally signifies, signifies he's an intercessor, he's a comforter, he's a helper, he's an advocate, he's a counselor. But I also love the non-biblical implication of this word parakletos. The non-biblical implication of it paints the picture of an attorney who appears in court on the behalf of someone else. What does that mean? He's going to go and fight my battles. He's going to go and take care of those things. He is going to represent my life. So the Holy Spirit is my helper. The Holy Spirit is the person of God right now for my life. He wants me to lead me into a greater understanding of his word, to give me guidance, to provide me the strength to endure the hostility, the hardships, and the opposition. Wow, that is some helper. Man, how many are glad that he's a helper, that he wants to help you? You don't have to go through life. Have you ever been with someone and they've got all their grocery bags and the bags are splitting and they can't carry them anymore? And someone says, can I help you? Have you ever had that experience? How does it feel? Oh, thank you so much. All of a sudden, they can help you and the weight's been taken off of you. Come on, you're carrying the grocery bags of sin. You're carrying the grocery bags of addiction. And our advocate, our intercessor, the Holy Spirit said, come on, let me take that burden from you. Come on, let me be the helper. Let me be the glory. Let me be the lifter of your life. I need that help. I need the Holy Spirit in my life. I like what one of the footnotes in one of my Bibles says this. It said, unless Jesus did what he came to do, there would be no good news. If he did not die, he could not remove our sins. And if he did not rise again, he could not have defeated death. If he did not go back to the Father, the Holy Spirit would not have come. 
And because he went back to the Father, he sent Christ's presence, the Holy Spirit, here on this earth. Why? Because when Christ's presence was here on earth, he was only limited to one place at a time. But him leaving meant that he could send his presence back to touch the whole world. And that presence is his Holy Spirit. Do you see that? How incredible. Jesus could just do what he was doing in Galilee because that's where he was. But now the Holy Spirit can be doing wherever on this world. Why? Because he's not limited to one location. Why? Because he's God. He's limitless. He can be everywhere and anywhere at all times. And guess what? He's chosen to be inside of you. He's chosen to live and dwell Inside of you. Look what it says in John 16 verse 13. When he has come, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. It's the Holy Spirit who convicts us. It's the Holy Spirit that encourages, guides us, strengthens us, equips us, enables us. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us the power to be a witness and to serve God completely. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16. Do you not know that you are the temple? You are the place that God wants to dwell. Your body is the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you. Notice a question mark there. Do you know that God's Spirit, do you have God's Spirit dwelling inside of you? He wants to live inside of you. The person of God is... In the Holy Spirit wants to dwell inside of you right now and remain and stay and fill your life to overflowing. That's who he is. That's the who. It's nothing to be afraid of. He wants to be a helper. One who desires to help your life. So let me bring all this to a close today. In order to be born again, the Spirit of God has to be present and involved. The Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us in John 16, 8 and 9, it says when he has come, the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me. Notice this. In order for us to be saved, there has to be a work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because it's the Holy Spirit that reveals to us the sin that we have. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts us for the way we've acted and for the things we've done. It's the Holy Spirit that makes it possible for us to say yes to Jesus Christ. So the Holy Spirit is involved in our salvation. But then there's the baptism. Then there's the next experience that we can have in God. It doesn't make us any more saved. In order to get to heaven, all we need is to be saved. We don't need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I think it helps us because we're not in heaven yet. Anyone in heaven yet? We've got to live here and we need the power to live here. We need the power and we would be foolish to try and do it on our own when he says, but you shall receive power with the gift that I want to give to each and every one of you. So it doesn't make me saved, but it keeps me saved. Keeps me safe too. Helps my life. I like what Joyce Meyer said. Look at this statement. She said, when we have our salvation experience, look, through salvation... We or they have the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit through salvation. But until we are filled completely with the Holy Spirit, He does not have you. Do you see that? We have the Holy Spirit with us and He helps us and He is there. But yet until we have the infilling, He doesn't really have all of us. In other words, I have enough of Jesus to stay out of hell. 
but I don't have enough of the Holy Spirit to live in victory. To live the total victory that God has made possible for my life. Many, many of you today, as I said at the beginning, you love God. But yet there's, there's obstacles, there's things in your life that you cannot break free. You, you, you're still unchanged. It seems you're unmoved. You're coming to church, but you're unchanged. You're unmoved. Why? You've got to move from the natural into the supernatural. You've got to open up your life. You've got to allow the Holy Spirit to come in. Because it's His power, the fire of the Holy Spirit, that will come in. But yet also the dove of the Holy Spirit, the gentleness. But yet also the water, the refreshing of the Holy Spirit. The wind that will bring refreshing also of the Holy Spirit that wants to come into your life. Come on, He didn't just come to be your Savior. He came to be your Lord. He came to be a lordship over your life. And through the enabling power of the Holy Spirit, you can start winning the victory over the problems of your life. That you can see the breakthroughs. That you can see the miracles. It's not a magic wand. It's the person of God that wants to be inside. If you think about that, the Holy Spirit is the person of God that wants to remain inside of your life. Genesis, we read, that God says these words, it wasn't good for man to be alone. So he made man a helper, a helpmeet. But you know what was God's intent from the very beginning? The helper that we needed in life was him. But we have got so caught up in all the other helps of everything else around that we've gone to them before we've gone to God. The companionship that we truly need in life is not to have a best friend beside us. Oh, that's good to have. But the companionship we need in life is a best friend inside of us. Not a companion beside, but a companion within. The Holy Spirit wants to be that. I truly believe this is going to be such an awesome series that your life is going to be touched and changed. We're going to look at the how, the why, the what. We're going to look at examples by, through the Scripture. We're going to answer questions. I truly believe this is going to be life-changing for you. But here's what we need. We need you to make a commitment to be here every Sunday, to be here every Wednesday. I know some of you say, well, man, I work late on Wednesday. You could be here. You could be here. Because if someone gave you tickets to the Saints game on Wednesday night, you would be there. You would be there. Even if you got a little bit late, you would be there. Come on. I would much much rather people show up at church late and at least be here than not come at all. Come on right now. You can come and you can stink from work. We're not going to complain. We'll just put you up the corner on your no money plan. But we want you here. Make a commitment. But listen, make a commitment to say, God, I want everything from you. Make a commitment to say, Holy Spirit, I want you to infill my life to change my life. Would you stand to your feet with me today? The Holy Spirit, the person of God now. Think about that. The Holy, who is the Holy Spirit? He is the person of God now for my life, for your life, in our lives, to help us, to enable us, to bring us through. Thank you for listening to the Holy Spirit Enabling Power. Our prayer is that you have been challenged in a new way today. If you need anything or just someone to talk or listen, we're here for you. Call us at area code 225-274-1607. 
or email us at pastorp at hflc.us or visit our website at www.hflc.us. And remember, when you put God first, everything you do will prosper.